We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're talking veteran wide receivers on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to RotoViz Radio, brought to you by Bet Online, Blue Chew, and the FFPC. I'm Dave Cabin, Senior Fantasy Analyst at RotoViz, joined by the editor in chief of Fantasy Labs, part of the Action Network, Matt Friedman. Uh, Matt, it sounds like you are uh, struggling as an, uh, an individual right now. Uh, I'm doing okay, just to sort of pull the curtain back uh yeah i'm without internet right now so uh you and i are talking over phone i am recording this uh into audacity on my computer whenever i have internet access i will send this over to you but uh i don't have access to the normal stuff like i'm having to look up stats on my phone i'm looking at the show sheet on my phone it's just uh extremely suboptimal yes um I'm confident, though, apparently more confident than you that we can work through this. Um, you may remember that we talked about villains last week. And funny thing happened. So the entire reason that I brought up the topic of villains was because my daughter is, for whatever reason, really obsessed with villains right now. And um, in fact, she's claiming that she wants to be a villain for Halloween and, and what have you. So like... <laughs> I don't know why she's obsessed with them. For whatever reason, she's more into them than the protagonist right now. Um, the night that's, after, that's fine. Yeah, the night after we recorded the villain podcast, she was not feeling good. She woke up at one in the morning, um, and like would not go back to sleep. So from one to three, she just kept asking about different like Disney stories and who the uh, who the villain was and what made them a villain. And whatnot. So I had a good talk on villains from like one to three, because I don't know if you know this, Matt, but children of that age, even if they know the answer to something, they just want to confirm that they know it. So we went through like every Disney villain about 25 times. 
she doesn't sound all that different from some adults. Um, <laughs> what I'm what I'm wondering on the show last week, did I actually say Henry the Third or did I say Richard the Third? Oh, did I? Because I oh, think right, yeah, you did say I Richard Third. I labeled it. I did it incorrectly. That's hilarious. Uh, that's honestly better than if it had been done correctly. Uh, I, I prefer it this way. <laughs> yeah, that's actually, that's really funny. Funny. You know what I was thinking? In my mind, it hit me with the third. It made me think of Henry Ruggs. And I was like, oh, this is like a perfect like double entendre. Oh, yeah. That's what I was yes, thinking. That is good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, my favorite villain is not Henry Ruggs the third. Although, uh, who knows? Maybe he will be my favorite villain if uh, he doesn't live up to what I want him to do. <laughs> and uh, for everybody listening, Matt and I have decided that we are going to do a villains podcast episode at some point. When do you uh, when do you plan on us uh, recording this and, and, and publishing this? What do you think? Uh, I mean, let's let's not pretend as if I'm the one who dictates what happens on the show. Okay. Uh, it's really whenever you tell me we're going to do something. All right. Well, we will carry on that discussion after the show, but that's something out there for everybody. About the five people that are interested in that villains episode, it, it is coming. Uh, but transitioning, I have a FFPC stat attack for our listeners today. And I want to share that Julio Jones has finished as the wide receiver 13 or better every single season of his career. In fact, as a rookie, he finished at wide receiver 13 in points per game. And since he has finished uh, ranked 12th in his second year and then in the top 10 for the seven straight seasons after that, uh, completely absurd. Uh, as a reminder, the FFPC is home to the best fantasy football leagues and contests in the industry, including Dynasty, Best Ball, and of course, the world-famous FFPC main event. To learn more or to join a league, head to myffpc.com. That's myffpc.com. And of course, we've got a handful of tools at Rotoviz designed specifically for FFPC domination. So I brought up Julio Jones because I want to talk about veteran wide receivers on this show. Julio is 31 and has played for nine seasons. Matt, how many more elite seasons do you think that we see from him? He finishes the wide receiver three in points per game last year where he played 15 games. I think people might want to start to worry about that potential drop off for him. But he's been playing so strong. I think it's hard to say that uh, we can really project that as on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, uh, I love Julio. I don't know uh, why anyone would be super pessimistic. Like, he's only 31. Um, like, that's like T.Y. Hilton's age, you know? Like, um, people think of Julio as being like, I don't know, like 33 or something like that. But uh, he's continued to play at a high level each year um for the past what is it like seven years now at this point he's averaged over uh 100 yards per game like 102.8 yards per game um he's basically like automatic for at least 1200 yards each year as long as he doesn't suffer a major injury um you know lock him in for anywhere from like six to eight touchdowns there's a lot to like about julio and as long as he continues like each year um to play at a high level like it makes it all the likelier that he doesn't have that sudden decline in the following season 
So I think he's probably going undervalued in a lot of dynasty formats. Um, you know, which like I get because he's 31 years old this year, but honestly, like he could still be awesome for another three years, maybe even five years. Like, I know that sounds unrealistic, but like it actually could happen. Yeah, I think I'm in the same spot as you in my line of thinking of him. I think it's really easy that we see another three very solid years out of Julio. He's just not a normal player. His entire trajectory of his career is something that you see from just a handful of guys. So I don't think it makes sense to lump him in with that typical age curve that you would see. He's also been on the same team that entire time. I think it's probably safe to say that it's more likely than not he finishes out his career in Atlanta playing with Matt Ryan. So to me, I'm liking the fact that people are starting to worry about his age. And I think it's easy to assume that he is older than he is just because there's nine seasons of being insanely good, uh, which makes it feel like he's been in the league longer than some of these other players that took longer to develop. So I still really like Julio for me. He's probably a top five wide receiver in redraft this season. I think he's still a top 10 dynasty wide receiver. You could maybe even argue if your team is in a three-year window, which is a window that a lot of teams like to kind of contextualize their dynasty roster in, he should still be ranked very high. Yeah, I agree. And I think everyone is basically always in a three-year window. Yeah. Um, like to me that that's the number that just makes sense um right have you ever taken the approach though of, of varying that i mean i don't think i would ever play it for a longer window have you ever experimented though with playing just for one year um a little bit but not exactly i mean i think the way to do the one year thing and i i kind of tried to do this in the first version of the road of his league and in another dynasty league dynasty league i kind of started trying to do it but then i just decided not to do it while i was in the middle of the draft which is probably a horrible idea but (laughs) i think the way that you maybe do it is with some of your early picks uh you trade down a little bit and you trade for future assets uh so like you know picks for the following year the the two following years things like that And then instead of drafting the younger guys that you think are going to have awesome production, like right away, you draft the slightly older guys. So that would be like Julio this year, like he falls in dynasty drafts because he's not young, but he should still be good for the foreseeable future. And there are a number of guys that you can draft like that. Uh, And so like with those guys, you basically get the production that a lot of other people might get from their teams it's just not as long lived but because you have the future assets that you got from trading down um i think once those guys start to tail off or retire you can replenish with uh the extra draft picks in the future that you have i think like i wouldn't say that's the optimal way to to build a dynasty team and to try to have your cake with like competing now and competing later but I think it's a viable strategy that enough people don't try. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, You know, it's interesting now having, and I haven't really been playing Dynasty for that long, um, but I haven't had a, um, like a startup in the last year or two, but I'm thinking I would probably try to approach it with a shorter time frame in that initial draft than I had been entering with when I started playing Dynasty a couple of years ago. 
Uh, in any event, though, we want to take a quick moment for a word from our sponsor, Bet Online. There is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online. NASCAR is back, and Bet Online has hundreds of other games, events, and sports to get in on. You can still bet on simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24 7, or participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has X Chicago. Chicago Bulls, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling after the dance. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. BetOnline, your online wagering solution. Hey Matt, have you been watching uh, The Last Dance, the MJ documentary? Uh, no, I haven't. I probably should be, um, but I haven't. So I actually have not had like any time really to focus on anything outside of work, um, and, and, and everything for Rotoviz, but I did manage to sneak in, um, on Friday night, the first two and a half episodes of it. And I'm, I'm actually hooked. It is very compelling so much. So to the point that I fired up uh, a video game, which I've not done in a long time and started a uh, like historic NBA franchise league. Um, so it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everyone loves it and I've listened to, it's funny. I've listened to podcasts where they talk about the show. So I feel like I'm like getting it secondhand, <laughs> but I haven't actually watched it. Yeah. You know, in typical uh, me fashion, I was expecting uh, to be like, ah, no, this wasn't nearly as good as everybody was saying and and stuff like that. But um, I find it really interesting getting the insight from a lot of these athletes now that they're, you know, 20, 30 years down the road and you're hearing people reflecting on their career and different relationships and dynamics that happened a long time ago. But now from the perspective of somebody that's, you know, much more mature um, and not like right in the thick of all of that. It's just really interesting. Um, anyway, though, yeah. we were here to talk about veteran wide receivers, so why don't we go ahead and do so? Um, Marvin Jones has received a lot of hype as a player that drafters are forgetting about, uh, which is an interesting little uh, juxtaposition there. But it does show in ADP, he's currently going as the wide receiver 43. What I want to know is, is that ADP that far off? Uh, the last three seasons have been really strong for him. The three seasons ago, finished as the wide receiver 15 two seasons ago 29 and as recently as last year was the wide receiver 21 so are drafters missing something here or is there a reason that we should be concerned about jones and not expecting to get near the value he provided the last three seasons well he's uh volatile which i think uh factors into why people are a little more hesitant to draft him and because he is older and you know they think Kenny Galladay is ascending there would be questions as to how important is Marvin Jones to the offense and you know you think the offense might be a little run heavier this year uh in comparison to previous seasons uh with you know the addition of DeAndre Swift and having on Johnson but uh yeah I mean I think whatever we saw out of I mean, as you mentioned, like the last three seasons, but really whatever we've seen out of 
uh, out of Marvin Jones the last four years, I think that's probably, you know, like a reasonable expectation of what we would get this year. You know, like he's been pretty solid that whole time on a per game basis. Um, even if he's not the number one receiver, like I still think that there's pretty significant um, value where he's going. You just have to expect that it's going to be volatile production. So best ball is, uh, I think, obviously where he's better suited. Yeah. So here's the crazy thing. Um, last season, he was a wide receiver one 31% of the time, a wide receiver three 69% of the time. So there was no in between for him. So those wide receiver one finishes yeah. were 22 points, 43, 27, and 20. So there's definitely that element of volatility. One thing, though, that people might be forgetting when they think about this is Matthew Stafford was off to a roaring start and then missed the rest of the season. So despite that, we still saw Jones um, put up that wide receiver 21 ranking. Um, I am not arguing here that Jones is necessarily going to finish as a top 25 wide receiver or anything like that. But I think that you do reach a point where you start looking at the ADP here where, you know, he could easily go five to eight spots ahead of that. Um, and probably one of those players that is worth getting on at least a team or two, if you're drafting a lot of teams, um, moving along here, Brandon Cooks, Julian Edelman, and Emmanuel Sanders are all going in relatively the same spot in drafts. From a redraft-only perspective, out of Cooks, Edelman, and Sanders, who are you the most excited about for 2020? Okay, so not Sanders. Um, pretty clearly not him. Do you want to talk I about that just Edelman... for a second, though? Because I, I can see how some people might get excited about him landing uh, with Drew Brees. I mean, I think he's going to be probably the number three pass catching option behind Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara. Or if he's not behind Kamara, I don't think he's going to be all that much ahead of him. So uh, I just don't think there's much upside there for him. But Edelman, I would expect to be the number one receiver. And uh, even though there might be questions about how efficient Jared Sidham is going to be, I mean, I think Edelman still has a chance to be just as productive with Stidham as he has been previously uh, with Tom Brady. And then Brandon Cooks, I mean, you know, say what you want about him last year. Uh, it was just a weird season in general for uh, a lot of the players on the Rams. But, you know, before that, he had four straight seasons of almost 1,200 yards from scrimmage, uh, you know, anywhere from like six to nine touchdowns each year. Uh, and that was you know, with different, different quarterbacks each year, um, you know, Drew Brees in his first two seasons and then Tom Brady in his one year in new England, Jared Goff in 2018 with the Rams. Now he's going to Deshaun Watson. It's not as if there's a drop off in uh, his quarterback and he's going to have a lot of targets available to him because of the, uh, you know, departure of DeAndre Hopkins. So like there are targets to go around and he's still only 27. Like he's a good player. I don't know why anyone would think he can't be another like thousand yard receiver once again. Um, so it would be cooks or Edelman. I don't know. Um, I mean, cooks, I think might have more upside, but like Edelman actually has a lot of upside just because of the number of targets he might get. 
Yeah. Um, so my thinking on Cooks is I think that, um, you know, it seems like there was a lot of injury issues going on last season, which a lot of that was concussions, which, yes, is something to be concerned about. But I think in comparison to a lot of players, this isn't the type of thing where it really needs to shoot him down your board in 2020 like you said he's really been a fantastic player um for a number of seasons last year it was weird i do think that there's a lot of opportunity available for him in in houston however though to me edelman figures to be the guy that has the best chance of finishing in the top of those three players in 2020 and it's going to be something that we normally see with edelman which is it's maybe not the sexiest option not going to be the most exciting but the volume is just going to be there on a week-to-week basis, I think. And the type of yeah. plays that Edelman is going to be contributing to New England are the type where Stidham doesn't need to be an exceptional passer or even you know one that is seasoned in terms of shifting guys around, uh, pre-play and whatnot. It's going to be a lot of type of simple throws is my expectation. So you know, I still think you could see even at that advanced age, Edelman – seeing you know 10 targets a game which in ppr formats maybe even pushes him inside the top 12 if things really break well for stidham but i think he could very realistically finish top 15 yeah i mean i think that's right over the past six years in the regular season he's averaged 9.6 targets per game if you included the playoffs in that i'm sure that pushes that number up to 10 because he's just been a monster in the playoffs so uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's very reasonable. I expect him to be targeted very heavily. Yeah, me too. Um, now let's talk about John Brown, your boy, John Brown. He and Mike Williams are going at 45 and 46 with Williams actually being selected uh, one spot higher. And that's in wide receiver ADP, obviously. Um, we know that you're a big fan of Brown at that ADP. Who are you drafting of those two guys? Honestly, I think Mike Williams, um, you know, John Brown is now the number two in an offense that I think is still going to be uh, pretty run reliant. And although I like Brown, um, I just I think I like Mike Williams a little bit more. It's a little bit harder to know what we should expect from Williams uh, in an offense that now will have Tyrod Taylor, presumably as the starting quarterback, at least to begin the season. But um you know, I think Williams still has significant upside in that, you know, like last year he had a thousand yards receiving the year before that he had double digit touchdowns. Um, you know, I think he has the upside of hitting that. I don't think we can see that from John Brown. Um, and at the point in the draft where they're going, I'm going to be looking a little bit more for upside. Yeah, I agree with that too. I also think think and maybe I'm wrong on this but I think that Brown might have more downside than Williams does um that might yeah, be I hard to so. argue but okay I think if if you agree um and we're both on Williams I think we have a firm answer between the two of us there uh let's take a quick word from our sponsor Blue Chew Guys, are you looking to last longer and go a few extra rounds? Go to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And since they're chewable, they work faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. Plus, 
You don't need to go to the doctor's office or spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Blue Chew's online physician is free of cost and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. Here's a great deal for you guys. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew, B-L-U-E.com, promo code BLUEWIRE. Uh, so a quick note as we're talking about veteran wide receivers. Um, and age curves Blair Andrews has a fantastic article on the site uh, you can search for it. it's the wrong read 33 where he does some work on looking at age curves through a slightly different context um, and we're kind of inclined to follow that one prototypical curve where you see wide receivers at 27 28 kind of peaking um, and then going down from there but um, he looks at it through a couple of different lenses, which I think it's just a fantastic read. So while you're considering veteran receivers, it probably makes sense to go and check that out. Uh, Sammy Watkins, Matt, I want to know, and as a reminder to everybody out there, there was so much hype about Watkins when he was exiting school. Um, if you were not playing at the time, people were in love with Sammy Watkins. How disappointing do you think his career has been, Matt? If it has been disappointing. Yeah, so, I mean, I have to imagine no, it's disappointing. I, totally has been disappointing. Just to, to put this more in context, um, Watkins was the guy that kind of pushed DeAndre Hopkins at Clemson. Like he, uh, like he was thought of as the clearly better prospect coming out of college. Um, you know, I still had good size, was almost really as big as DeAndre Hopkins, uh, significantly faster, uh, was more productive in college. So people just thought he was going to be awesome. And he was a 21 year old first rounder, you know, drafted number four overall. Uh, and, and the bills traded up, traded, you know, significant assets to get him. So people thought he was going to be awesome. And, you know, in his first year, he was pretty good. He had almost a thousand yards. Uh, and then in his second year had, you know, uh, over a thousand yards in just 13 games and had nine touchdowns. Like entering year three, he looked like he was going to be awesome. And then he just was not, you know, uh, he played only eight games his third season, um, you know, was okay in those games, like on a per game basis in terms of his yardage, but really not all that great. And then it just like petered out from there. They traded him to the Rams shortly before the season started, could never really develop chemistry, you know, after that two years with the the Chiefs and it's tough because you know the past three seasons he's been in a prolific offense you know first with the Rams and then with the Chiefs and he's had these like spurts of production so in 2017 he had eight touchdowns um you know in week uh one right this past season like, didn't he have like three touchdowns or something like that? And then like, uh, or maybe it wasn't three touchdowns, but he had like a massive game yeah, no, he to did. start the season um, to, to start and the then, season and then did nothing again. Yeah. Yeah. Three touchdowns. Um, let me see this 18 yards per target, nine wrecks on 11 targets, 198 yards. Yeah. And then the rest of the season did nothing like literally didn't score a touchdown again. Uh, didn't have even like 65 yards receiving again in another game 
during the regular season. But then, of course, in the playoffs, 76 yards, 114 yards, 98 yards. Like, I think he still has the the potential. That's the weird thing about him is that I think he still has the potential. And he's going, he's only 27. He's only 27 this year. Like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, his career has been disappointing, but he's been decent enough each year and then explosive enough in, in short burst where you could look at him and, and think realistically like, you know what? Could this be the year that Sammy Watkins breaks out? And like, it's not as if you're crazy if you think that. It's really strange because there's a lot of times where if you knew absolutely nothing about football and you just put on a, a game that he's in, you could walk away thinking, oh my God, this guy must be one of the best wide receivers in the league. Like that performance you talked about. Um, we've seen enough of those over the course of time to know that Watkins definitely is an NFL receiver. And there's like those flashes of brilliance, like you mentioned, just hasn't been able to put it all together. Having said that though, of players at that age who could all of a sudden pop out, I mean, it seems to me, especially given the situation that Watkins um, would be on the top of that list. But I, I do think, unfortunately, you have to rule it's been a pretty massive disappointment uh, against expectation. Um, so we will see what happens with him. Now, Golden Tate is going at wide receiver 60, Alshon Jeffrey at 62, Deshaun Jackson at 64. Of those, who has the best odds of outplaying that ADP? Uh, I mean, I don't want Alshon or Deshaun Jackson. Um, I mean, Alshon just feels like he should be older than, isn't he only going to be 30 this year? But like, he feels like he should be like 45. <laughs> um, and he just like, he he runs like uh, David Johnson, uh, who in turn runs like uh, Rob Gronkowski, but it was just like he he looks done. Uh, Deshaun Jackson was awesome in his one full game last year, and then other than that, it was just like he was injured. Um, it's hard to know exactly what we would get out of him if Deshaun Jackson actually does play. Um, I don't know, twelve games or something like that. I would expect him to outperform his ADP, but it's just it's so hard to know with a guy who's been injured like Jackson. Um, Golden Tate. I have a little more confidence in. Um, I would expect that, you know, like he hasn't really had to deal with a lot of injury issues in his career. I would expect that uh, we would see him healthy and that he outperforms his ADP. Um, but I don't think it's going to be like massive outperformance. It's just like he's really being discounted. Like if one of these guys significantly outperforms his ADP, I would bet on it being Deshaun Jackson. But I think Tate has a higher chance of outperforming his ADP. Yeah, that's exactly where I am. And that's kind of what I was thinking when I framed the question, because to me, not very much at all out of the ordinary needs to happen, or you don't need many things to go right for Golden Tate to easily finish ahead of that wide receiver 60 uh, spot. I mean, last season in PPR per game, finished ranked 28th. Now, I would not put money on him finishing yeah. at that position, but this is a pretty radical difference between how a player finished in the prior season and where he's being valued now. Yeah, exactly. All right. I think that's all that uh, we need to hit on veteran wide receivers for this episode. We will be back later in the week um, where... There's a player on that show sheet that I almost asked Matt about now. That's McCole Hardman. I want to get some more thoughts on what he thinks of him, among other topics. 
next week. That does it for this episode. You can reach us at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveKabenFF and at MattFTheOracle. Thanks to Bet Online for sponsoring the show. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy. You believe it. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay, and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply.